What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judd? I have Marines. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judd? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts. That's not thought of. Something really bad. You're thinking of putting them up there. Don't deny the thought hadn't crossed your mind. Come back to me, Gage. Come back to us. Paramount Pictures presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. And of course, I'm Johnny. And I got poop. That's your name, dude. That's all. Not cut. Alrighty, welcome to another episode of Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. And as always, I am Johnny. And I'm Randy. And today we have. One of the, what, most, what do you call this, a uh, classic horror film? Oh, yeah. It's like, definitely, a, the, when you think of Stephen King, this one pops in your head. Yes, if sir. If it's not first, it's probably second. Oh, yeah. It's uh, 1989's Pet Cemetery. The one and only. Like, this is a true, what would you say, uh, it's not a cult classic, but it's a fan favorite. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a cult classic. Most of the time you think of cult classics, you think of movies that don't really do well. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Don't hate on my movie. I'm not hating on it! <laughs> but like, Weekend at Bernie's. I consider that a cult classic movie. Yeah. Because it's more famous now than I think <clears> it ever was. But it's, you know, movies that don't do so hot out the gate end up doing, you know, good later on. Yeah. For nostalgia Which reasons. this one did great. Yeah. Oh yeah, this one was awesome. But, was you excited about watching this one? I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen this. I was. Like I said, I, I, I love this movie. But this is one of the rare occasions where I enjoyed the first one. But I think I like the second one better. Right. But, doesn't take effect, doesn't take away from the fact that I, I like I love this movie. Right on. What do you think of the remake? I thought the remake was actually pretty good. I know I've heard a lot of bad reviews on it. I went to the movie theaters, uh, movie theater, and watched it, and I didn't think it was that bad. I think the problem you walk into is when when you take a movie that was so popular, like Pet Cemetery, and you remake it with different people, different directors. It, it's just you're going to get some blowback from people that say don't mess with the classic. Oh yeah, you know. But I, th- I thought it was pretty good. Now, better than the first one? I, I don't know. I, I, I really, I'm not going to say yes, and I'm not going to say no. Right, right. But, I mean, the first one's just, it's a good movie. Well, do you uh, have the summary and all that good I stuff? I do have the summary. All right. So, hit us <clears throat> with that summary, Randy. After tragedy strikes, a grieving father discovers an ancient burial ground behind his home with the power to raise the dead. Right on. Da-da-dum. And go ahead and hit us with the cast. You got the cast. I know. You go ahead, bud. I can't spell these people's names. Okay. You ain't got to spell them. You just yeah. got to say them. Yeah, I know. 
All right, you got Dale Midkiff, which plays Lewis Creed, which, here's the FF that I was telling you about earlier. Okay. You know they were considering Bruce Campbell for that role. Really? Yep. That'd be awesome. Yeah, just imagine Bruce Campbell playing that role. Oh, it'd be, it'd be a number one movie. Oh, oh my God. Trash. <laughs> anyway, no. Michael Hughes plays Gage Creed. Fred Gwynn plays Judd Crandall. Uh, Herman Munster, sir. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> he, excuse, when he laughs. Excuse me, he was the judge on My Cousin Vinny. No, Thank the monsters. Anyway, Dennis Crosby, Denise Crosby played Rachel Creed. Blaze Birdall played Ellie Creed, which I think they were, there was a, a set of twins that actually played it, but she's the only one that got credit for it because she did more scenes. But she's actually a twin, from mm. what I remember. Brad Greenquist plays Victor Pascal. And actually, the sister Zelda was played by Andrew Hubbistick, which is I, fun fact. Yeah, I never knew that either. Well, they said when the everything that I was reading on it, every time they tried to get a young girl to play it that was thin enough, she always just looked cute and adorable and all this kind of stuff because mm-hmm. she was you know petite. Yeah. So they wanted something that was more on the grotesque side. I right guess. on. Uh, really, you got uh, Susan Blomart that plays Missy Dandridge. Michael Lombard plays Erwin Dandridge or Erwin Goldman. Yeah, that's really pretty much all of them. Yeah, that's uh, that's which that's the mom. And then you have Mar- Mary Louise Wilson plays Dory Goldman. That's really all you got. Right on. The important people, anyway. Yeah. I hate when they mix up the uh, part I was just thinking with... the same way. I was thinking, that dude was in the second one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like Pet Cemetery, the series. Starring. So, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 53%. IMDb only gave it a 6.6. No, 6.5. Was it 6.5? Yep. I think you're smoking crack. Uh, it's right here, literally in my face. Dang it, it is 6.5. But this film was released in 1989. I was three. It was directed by Mary Lambert, and let's see here. Oh, we forgot to mention Stephen King makes a little appearance. Well, thank you, but oh, my bad. written by Stephen King, <laughs> yeah, based off his novel *Pet Cemetery*, which he said is one of the movies or one of the books that he wrote that actually scared him the most. I bet I would too. And this is classified as a horror thriller. Yeah. So I can definitely see that. Oh, yeah. And a couple little comedy aspects in it. I will just say right now that this is the first time I've watched this film probably 15, 20 years, and Zelda was the one. I mean, out of every single horror movie I've ever watched, she was the one that scared the daylights out of me. Does it make you feel any different knowing that it's a guy? No. I mean, knowing that... Because I didn't know that before. Like, the first times I watched it, I never knew that that was an actual guy. But when they show the clip of her feeding her, Mm -hmm. it clearly looks like a mask now. Now, granted, when I was little, it was just, you know, some creepy chick. I don't know. I kind of looked away. Yeah, I know. You didn't watch. Psycho. So, are we ready to get into the actual film? Let's do it. Alrighty. So, as the credits are rolling... The we see this uh, pet cemetery, like we're seeing all these little crosses made and these little rocks. It's got like Spot's name on them, mm-hmm. and I don't remember a few of the other names. But 
I wish I would have wrote down the one that was about Biffer. But yeah, but as, as you can tell that there's dogs and cats and all this. They even got goldfish out there. I thought that was pretty neat. Like they had yeah. the, uh, We hear these kids talking and some of them sound like they're talking to their dead animals. Some of them sound like they're uh, repeating nursery rhymes. Did you notice that? Well, <clears throat> I think what it was, and that's one of the things that I noticed on some of the headstones and some of the crosses, um, they were like little rhyme sayings, something yeah. like a kid would say. Yeah. And I think what it was was these kids giving their eulogies as oh, they were yeah. burying their dogs. That's, be, what, that's what it sounded like to me. I didn't think of that, but yeah, that'd be cool. But what really got me, too, is when it backed up and it started showing more of the cemetery, you saw all the collars mm-hmm. on there. I was like, oh, man, because, of course, we've had to bury, you know, yep. some dogs before, and that's one thing you do is, you know, you keep the collar or you, you know, bury it. What do you got? I can tell you, you got something on your mind. <clears throat> yeah, so the the one of the sayings on the cross that I caught my attention I never get to read was a grave marker. It said, Biffer, Biffer, a hell of a sniffer until he died and made us richer. <laughs> I don't know. This is weird. Well, that's cool. Yeah. But anyway, as the credits are done rolling, uh, all of a sudden, I don't know where we just see an 18-wheeler flying past a house for sale. And, and it does. It's got that sound that... Which you don't ride a motorcycle, <laughs> I think. Say, but like when I'm on my bike, like, like yeah. I mean, you hear it coming up, and when it passed, man, it. Oh, you can hear that on the side of the oh, road. Gosh, if, uh, eighteen wheelers coming your way. Uh, but we after the eighteen wheeler flies by this house, now we see a car coming up, and we're getting introduced to the Creed family. So the Creed family arrives at this house, and they have a little girl named Ellie, a little boy named Gage. And the mom is Rachel, and the dad is Lewis. And the first thing uh, Ellie does is go get on a tire swing. Mm-hmm. She's swinging back and forth, and Rachel and Lewis both tell them, hey, you know, you be careful now, and she's playing. Well, the mom goes over to Gage, the little boy, and she's like, you you waking up now to see the new house? And, you know, he kind of looks at her and smiles. She mm-hmm. gets him out. And as they're saying, honey, be careful, you can see the branch is slowly breaking that she's on. <clears throat> Soon as um, they tell her that, boom, the branch breaks. She falls and she does this cry that had me laughing, had you laughing. Looks <laughs> like the tire falls on her leg. And she's like, oh, mommy, daddy. <laughs> yeah, she just keeps saying it over and over. They run over to her. Yeah. And she's just like, you can tell that it's that fake cry like all kids do. <laughs> you know. But it's even worse because it's not even a fake cry because she thinks she's hurt. It's a fake cry because somebody's telling her, hey, fake cry. Right. Well, uh, they look down this path and there's these little rocks and it's, you know, it's a walkway. And she kind of looks over at it, Rachel and uh, Ellie and Lewis, and they kind of look down at it. Well, all of a sudden we get introduced to their neighbor across the street, Judd. Yeah, this is after all this is going on. Gage, they've set, which is weird, they set Gage down by the car. Yeah. They go to her. So Gage is up by himself by the... He goes around to the back end of the station wagon, looks at the cat, he starts talking to church. Yeah. Well, then he turns around and the road is like 10, 15 feet behind him just about. Yeah. So he walks over the road and there's a car coming. And they turn around, they see it at the last minute. Well, then that's when Judd shows up and saves the day. Yeah. Yep. And so Judd's, Judd is introducing himself, and he's like, you must be the new doctor, talking about Lois. So, or Lois. Lois. Sorry. Lois. So now we already know that uh, Lewis is a doctor, what he's doing there, you know. 
and Judd uh, is just kind of introducing himself to each and every one of them. He looks down at, um, what is her name, Ely? Eli? Ellie. Ellie. They call her, her name's Ellen, but they call her Ellie. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's just kind of introducing himself to her, making her feel kind of welcome, you know, because she was just bawling a while ago. Well, Rachel kind of looks at him. She goes, hey, where does that road leave? Where does the road lead at? And he's like, ah, we'll take care of that later. I'll, I'll explain it to you later. Like, he all of a sudden just cut it off like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, interesting story with that road. Yeah. I'll take you down there someday and tell you about it. And that was it. But he's like, he's like, why don't you go and uh, get settled in and stuff? You know, you can tell it, he changed the subject mm-hmm. quick. <clears throat> well, uh, Lewis is looking at the road like it, it cuts to now. Uh, Lewis is at the road looking at it, and all of a sudden, the church just scares the crap out of him. And it's funny the way he, I, it's hard to explain how he kind of like threw his fist up like he was wanting to punch the cat. Did you notice that? Well, he about cold cocked that cat. <laughs> and he was like, Dad, gum at church, you know. And he kind of sat there and pet, pet church for a minute. Uh, well, Lewis looks over and he sees Judd is sitting on his front porch. Like I said, now it's that night. So Lewis goes over to Judd's house, which you don't see this very often anymore, but it was nice seeing an older person just sitting on the front porch in a rocking chair. <laughs> All he's doing is having a beer. Just too, watching. It's too hot these days. Oh, yeah. Shoot. But Judd, first thing he says is he goes, Doc, is that you? And he's like, yeah. He goes, hey, you want a beer? And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll take one. You can kind of tell to me that Judd uh, welcomed the company. Oh, yeah. It seemed like he'd been lonely for a little while. He finally got somebody to talk to. Yeah. And I don't know, did it ever explain about his wife or anything? Or Nope. I didn't think it did. But uh, they're sitting down having a beer and another 18 wheeler just screams by the house and uh lewis is like gosh dang you know and judd says uh yeah those trucks that's what leads to that path y'all was asking about and he's like what do you mean he's like he goes a lot of dead animals he goes that's a pet cemetery and it's all thanks to these trucks driving by he says uh cats and dogs always constantly getting hit in the road and lewis says well my daughter uh ally has a uh cat He's like, well, keep, her, <laughs> keep it away from the road. He goes, first thing I do is have it neutered. And he's like, because neutered cats uh, tend don't, to not Yeah, they don't stray, off. yeah. Now, this well, <clears> this <throat> part right here, it cuts to now it's the daytime. And they're all getting ready to go, I guess, to work, do whatever they got to do. Missy. Mm-hmm. We get introduced to this character named Missy. Yep. Now, she's having stomach issues. Talks about having stomach pain, yeah. But she's talking to Rachel. And it's weird because she says something like, uh, you're married to the, a doctor. Must be nice being married to a doctor. What did she say? I've never had that chance. Or, I've never been married. I'm not married. Or something. I, I don't know. It, it was. It seemed really out of place like it didn't belong. Right, right. Like, the only thing they wanted us to know is she wasn't married. She had stomach pain. Yeah. And that was another thing. Was she a nanny? Or was <clears throat> she, like, watching the kids? Or what? I, I, that's what I'm saying. It didn't... I think she was a nanny because she even mentioned some or um, what's the the mom's name? Rachel. Rachel. She says something about her coming back on Mondays. Yeah. She so could be I, a housekeeper. I or something. think she was a nanny of some okay. kind. Well, that's the way I took it at first. But uh, it cuts to now. Judd is taking the Creed family to the pet cemetery, and Allie is uh, super excited. She's like, "Come on, let's go!" Like she's super happy. Well, they start walking down to 
the uh, pet cemetery. And when they get there, Judd makes the comment. He goes, this is a good place. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, like, gets defensive quick. Like, and it's funny because the whole time uh, Lewis has Gage on his back, like on this little kid backpack, you know. And she says, what's so good about this place? And he's like, well, it teaches kids about death. He goes, kids got to learn about death someday. She was like, why? Yeah. Like, what is she getting so offensive about? We don't know right now. We'll right. find out. But what does she have against a young kid knowing about death? Right. Well, she walks up and she goes over to get uh, Gage off of Lewis's back. But it's funny the way that Judd looks over at Lewis and kind of like rolls his eyes like, what the, what's her problem? You know? Right. He's like, dude. Get your wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, she's, uh, but anyway, they're looking at, around at all the cemeteries and or the grave sites, and Allie picks up. She's like, these are dogs and cats. She's like, look, this one was a goldfish or a fish because uh, there's a fish bowl. Mm-hmm. And he's like, very good, Allie. You know, Judd is teacher. And what he's trying to do is teach her about death but not make it scary. Yeah, he even tells her, he said, not all the animals that were buried here are from the road. Yeah. Some of them died of natural causes. Then he shows her the grave that he dug for his dog, Spot, who died of old age. Yeah. Which we find out later isn't true. But but he tells her, he's like, do you know what is good about this place? And she's like, no. And he goes, well, the dead speaks. And she tenses up. And you see uh, Lewis walk over there and he kind of puts his arm on her like, I'm here, honey, you know. Mm -hmm. And And he goes, no, 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 it's nothing to be afraid of. It was it, a really good message. Like even for people going to a normal cemetery, the message that he that he kind of gave upon her was. was well, go ahead and tell good. it. He was telling her that the dead speak here, and it's not literally the dead talking. It's the stories that all the people that buried their kids and wrote on their their markers and their headstones and stuff like that. It's those stories that give the dead a voice. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool, and it's and it, it you know kind of takes into perspective when you go to a graveyard now like an actual graveyard and you see so many of like sayings that people put on headstones today the dead are speaking in in that way yeah i thought, I thought that was kind of cool yeah cuz and after he says that Rachel even <clears throat> kind of smiles at it yeah you know um well so now we cut to later that night Allie is talking to Lewis her dad of course and she's talking about what happens if church dies and he's like, well, honey, he goes, if if I had my way, he goes, church would live to be 100 years old. He goes, but I'm not the one that makes that decision. Right. And she said, well, who is it, God? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, well, tell God, let, let God get his own cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, church is my cat. And she takes off running again. She's upset, you know. But it's like this little girl, every scene she has, she has to get emotional. She's, yeah, she got to cry. Uh, what well, cuts the next morning, the creeds, they're all uh, having breakfast at the table. And once again, Allie's upset because she's like, what if the new school, I'm not going to like it. What if it's not like the old school? And she's like, Mom, I don't want to go to school today. Well, then they start talking about church getting fixed. So he's already taken that, taken that advice from Judd is to go get his uh, cat fixed. And uh, she says, well, you promised me everything's going to be okay, you know, because they got to put them to sleep and everything. This is what Allie's asking her dad. She says, we promised me everything's going to be okay. And he, I think he was not going to promise her. I think he was going to just be like, hey, look, we don't know. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to promise her. And he looks over at Rachel. And Rachel looks at him and kind of nods her head like, you better say yes. Yeah, she even says, come on, give that girl give that girl a little promise. Yeah, but the way she said it was weird. Yeah, don't 
what would she say? Don't shilly shally or something. Yeah. I was like, really? Like, come on now. This don't, ain't leave it to beaver. Yeah. Don't dilly dally around. Don't dilly around it. Yeah, just but, tardo. So anyway, uh, he says, yes, <clears throat> I promise. And as he gets up, because he's got a church in this little kennel. As he gets up, he looks at her. He goes, I'm going to tell you this. There's a one out of a thousand chances that something could go wrong. But if it does, and this cat dies, you're telling her. He I, said, you're going to explain to her. I li- and I like that, too. Like he was it. like, look, you made me promise. Now, if something goes wrong, you're going to deal with it. Well, as he's leaving with the cat, uh, Missy shows up. She pulls up. She's like, oh, uh, uh, I don't know if she calls him doctor or she just calls him Lewis. Or Mr. Creed, I don't know. But anyway, she talks to him. Yeah. And you can tell when she leans over to get her basket of little like towels she's kind of cramping up and he's like uh you okay and she's like yeah the pain comes and goes and she goes uh oh so you're taking the cat to go and he goes get the nuts cut off he goes yeah thanks for uh, introducing that to my daughter i never heard her say it unless i just missed it i didn't I think, know i think she said it in the kitchen that morning before he made the promise and stuff i think he she said it then no but i didn't know miss like, did they ever show Missy saying it? I don't think they ever showed Missy saying it in front of her. I think it's just something that she heard okay. Missy say, yeah. Well, as uh, she's starting to hurt again, you could tell by her facial expression that, you know, her stomach's hurting. He goes, you know, I can't help you with that. And she's like, no. She's like, it's good. It'll, it comes and goes. And she just walks off. And, she, and the, uh, Rachel comes out and says, are we okay? Are we good? And he's like, yeah. And they give she gives him a kiss, and he's like, uh, she's like, have fun at work today. Don't get too stressed out. And all. He's like, oh, it ain't going to be nothing big. Yeah, she says first day at school. Yeah. So I'm like, is he a like doctor at a school or is it like a nurse at a school? Obviously, he's not a nurse. He's a medical doctor. Yeah. But it was weird. And I can't remember what he said. I think he, he said something like, oh, it ain't going to be like a bad or uh, slow. It'll be a slow day or something like that. Yeah. And then they go cut straight to his thing of them wheeling this guy in with half his head missing. Yeah. He hit by a truck. So we cut to this jogger that's laying, uh, it's like all the students are holding him in this blanket and they're rushing him to the doctor, the, that unit. I'm guessing it's either a high school or it's a college. I don't know. Yeah. But they're hauling him in there and like you said, on the left side of his head, you can actually see some of his skull and everything. And they're like, what happened? What happened? It's just chaos. And they're like, he got hit by a truck. He was jogging. He got hit by a truck. Well, they bring him to uh, Lewis. Lewis looks at him. He's like, Uh, Go call an ambulance right now. He's on step. But I believe the way he acted, he knew it was a lost cause. Yeah, he was already gone. Or if he wasn't already gone, he was fixing to be gone. He knew it. Yeah. Well, it shows everybody leaving. They're running to go uh, call 911, all that stuff. Well, he shuts the curtain. And he kind of, he checks the pressure, uh, the dude's pulse. And he just kind of looks at him and he's like, well, first day. And I I can't remember what he said. Something like first day, it wasn't even going to be. A headache or something. He just yeah. And he went to close uh, the guy's eyes because he was dead. Well, all of a sudden, I know where this jogger wakes up and he like spits blood all over Lewis's face. <clears throat> and he grabs Lewis. He says, "The soil of a man's heart is stonier, Lewis." And then uh, he's like, "How'd you know my name?" And then he says, "I'll come to you." And he says, "How do you know my name?" And then he he ends up he dying. smiles. Yeah, and he like, dies. Yeah, he smirks and then he just... What? Well, later that night, Lewis and Rachel are in bed, and out of nowhere, the jogger appears at the doorway, which would be cre- creepy as all get out. 
I think I'd be moving back to Chicago. Yep. Well, the jogger looks at Lewis. He says, come on, Doc. We got places to go. And he just kind of looks around for a minute. And he's, and he's, you know, he's like, okay, I'm dreaming. He kind of looks at Rachel. She's asleep. And he looks over. And now the jogger's right next to his head. And he's like, come on, Doc. Don't make me tell you twice. Boy, I'd have throw some punches. Yeah, right. We swinging it there, but I'd be, get away. <laughs> well, he, uh, the jogger starts walking down the hallway. And Lewis follows him. And he says, why are you here? And he says, I want to help you, uh, Lewis, because you tried to help me. And the whole time he's talking to him, he's like, trying to, he's, he's, he's like, I don't like this dream. I don't like this dream. And the jogger says, who said you were dreaming? I did like that. I like that whole little concept. Who said you were dreaming? Yeah, he, he made him think like, hey, you, uh, you follow me. And it was just the, the creepiness about it, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, clearly, if you're laying in bed and something like that happens, the first thing you're going to think of, well, I'm just dreaming. And then if you're, the guy in your dream says, well, who said you're dreaming? Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little trippy. Well, the jogger ends up taking Lewis down to the pet cemetery. And he says, and I, I did like this. He goes, this is where the dead speaks. And then he points over to the little, uh, what would you call that? It it's was like almost, a barricade. It was but almost like a dam. Yeah. Like, like a bunch of like trees fall, fell over. and. But he's like, don't cross the barrier. The barrier That's where was, the, go ahead. Yeah, he said like the barrier was never meant to be broken or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And he's like, don't cross the barrier because that's where the dead walks. I like that. The dead speaks here, but you cross this, the dead's going to walk. Well, I don't know where Lewis wakes up. (laughs) And you can hear, like, his wife, like, "Uh, come on, are you ready? Are you getting up? You know, because he overslept. Mm -hmm. He gets up, and he's like, yeah, I'm getting up. And he takes his sheets off of, sheets and covers off of him, and you can tell that his feet are filthy. So he was really walking that night. Uh, So it cuts to Lewis is at work. And he's got the file on the jogger, the guy that died. And his name is Victor Pascal. And he just kind of looks at the folder, and then he just tosses it in the trash. And it cuts to now, uh, Rachel's telling um, Lewis, she's like, I wish you would come to my family's for Thanksgiving. She goes, I don't like leaving you here by yourself. And he's like, oh, it's going to be fine. You know, it's going to be all right. Uh, And he says, call me as soon as you land. So they're going to visit her side of the family for Thanksgiving. Which, why did it, did he ever give a reason why he didn't go? I think it was, I think it had something to do with him being, like, new there as far as the, like, his job. Like, yeah. he didn't want to leave or something right after getting there or something. I, I don't, I don't know if it ever really says why he didn't go. Well, after they leave, uh, Lewis gets a phone call and it's Judd. And he's like, Lewis? And he's like, yeah. He goes, this is Judd. If you get a chance, I need you to come over to the house. He goes... There's a dead cat in my yard, and it looks just like yours. Well, he gets over there. Sure enough, church has been hit by I'm get, uh, a vehicle. We don't know what it 18-wheeler, car, truck, whatever. Kind of been very big because he was still in one piece. Yeah. And uh, he comes over, and Lewis looks. He's like, yep, this is Allie's. And Judd says, are you going to tell Allie? Ellen. Ellie. Huh? Ellie. Ellie? Ellie. So I've been saying Allie this whole time. Yeah, I just first time I heard you say Allie. Yeah, I've been saying Allie this whole time. No, it's Ellie. 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 Okay. If that's what you say, buddy, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. You gonna double check me? I'm just double checking to make sure. I... Yeah, it's Ellie. Yep, see? Yep. 
Right on. Doubt me again. I'll punch you in the forehead. So, anyway, kidding. everybody who's listening, sorry. It's <laughs> Ellie. I got Allie wrote that's, down. That's the first time I heard you say Allie. What? Guess I ain't paying attention to you. Probably not. Yeah. What was that? So, what was that? Yeah. That's your chi. <sighs> oh man. So you almost you almost made me start uh you almost made me start uh what is it called? Talking about John Panette. I almost <sighs> sort of quote some of his stuff. Rest in peace. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Back to back to, back to the movie. You know what? We did it. Yeah, there we go. I knew you was gonna do it. That was a tribute to Joe Bob Briggs right there. I knew you was gonna do it. So anyway, uh, he asked him, "Are you gonna tell uh, Ellie?" And he's like, "Well, eventually." He goes, "Right now, I'm not gonna say anything." And Judd says, "Well, come with me." And he's like, "Where are we going?" He goes, "Just follow me." Was Judd is taking Lewis to Barry Church. Well, when they get to the pet cemetery, he was like, you know, I can. You brought me all the way out of here just to bury her, you know. Well, he even asked, "Do we bury her closer to the edge of the circle?" Because he was saying, the closer you get in the circle, when they first went over there, the closer you get in the circle, the older the graves get. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "Do we bury her around the edge?" And he's like, "No, we're going to bury him on the other side." Yeah, over the barrier. And uh, as soon as he says it, it's like it clicks in with Lewis, like, "Oh crap." That's what the jogger was telling me. Pascal was telling mm-hmm. me, you know. So he starts taking them, and he's like, oh, we can't go over there. We're going to get hurt. And Judd's like, no, no, no. I've been over here before. He goes, I know exactly where to step. He goes, don't look down and just keep up. <clears throat> well, it show, you know, it just kind of goes on. This little spot kind of goes on for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like, they're coming. They're like some big cliffs. It looks like they go from the forest to the mountains. Yes. And Judd's like, uh, almost there, Lewis. And he, <laughs> Lewis goes, you keep saying that. And he goes, yeah, but this time I mean it. <laughs> now, once they get to this Indian burial ground, will you go ahead and tell the story because I didn't catch. It's it's a it's a Micmac Indians. It's mm-hmm. that's the the tribe that was their burial ground. And it's just he he was talking about how this is where the Micmacs buried their dead. Yeah, but then. Later on, they talk about how the Micmacs quit burying their dead there because the soil was soured. And I guess when they talk about a different story later on, without to throw a spoiler in there, talks about a different story about being buried there. It was brought back to life, and it was soured soil. So the Micmacs quit using that burial ground. But it was the Micmac Indian tribe is what it was. Uh... I did like this line right here, though, where Judd says, here, and he hands Lewis um, the cat, and he hands him the shovel and all that, and he's like, uh, I'm going to go over here and sit down and smoke. He goes, I'd help you, but each buries their own. I like that. Uh, so, anyway, he ends up burying the cat, Lewis does, and it cuts to Judd is talking with Lewis, this is later that night. They've already made it back to Lewis's house. And Lewis gets on the phone because the phone was ringing. He hurries it, hurry up and answers it. And it was um, Ellie. And she's like, <clears throat> excuse me. She's like, uh, Dad, I, ha- I had the worst dream. He's like, what are you talking about? And she goes, it was you and 
uh, Judd, and you had a church. And I can't remember if she says church was dead or not. Yeah, church was dead, and they buried him in Pet Cemetery. But she's getting these visions, and uh, and we don't know yet where she's getting the visions from. But the whole time, you know, you can tell Judd's nervous. He's sitting there listening. Well, after he hangs up with her, uh, he says, hey, he goes, uh, whatever you do, keep this a secret. And he's like, what did we do? And he was like, just keep it a secret. You know, he, he don't want to tell him. Then he looks at he looks at him and he's like, uh, uh, the soul of a man's heart, Lewis, is a stoner. As soon as he says the exact same thing that the jogger said, he just kind of looks up at him like, holy crap. And he's like, what did I just do? And uh, Lewis is still talking to Ellie. And it's funny because she's like, you want to talk to Gage, Dad? And he, or Daddy? And she, he's like, yeah. He puts Gage on the phone and Gage is like, hi, Daddy, I love you. Hi, Daddy, I love you. Yeah, like nothing. Doesn't say a word. No. I didn't get that part right there. Where he's just like, mm, I'm not even going to say anything to my kid, you know. Um, so, now, later on, uh, church is back. Got these big old yellow eyes. Mm-hmm. Scares the living crap out of, uh, it's the next morning. Scares the living crap out of Lewis. Uh, and it's funny because... Lewis is like, church? Like, he's flipping out. Lewis ta- er, church takes off. So Lewis goes and gets this little bowl, and he's like, come here, church. And he's like, uh, I know you're hungry, and he pours some food in this bowl, and he hands it down there, and church comes over and eats. And as he's eating, he picks him up, he looks at him, and <clears throat> I mean, he's got a few blood spots on him, but he's not messed up. Now, what was the thing you was talking about? They had different cats? Yeah, the uh, when they were making the movie, cats are apparently really hard to train. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because most cats are jerks. <laughs> Minus Bink. Right. Uh, but they had nine different cats that looked like church to play a different role. So they had a cat, or had a couple of cats to play a cuddly church, a snarled church, you know, a mean church. you know. And all. So it was like they trained certain cats as mm. best as they could for certain roles. Right. So they had, so they didn't have just one cat. They tried to teach a bunch of different stuff. Right on. I see. I thought that's pretty neat. I didn't know that till you was telling me about it. Um, let me see. Oh, uh, okay. So anyway, now that church is back, he goes over to talk to Judd, and Judd starts telling him the story about when he buried Spot, his dog. Uh, did he say his dog got hit? I don't know if he said his dog just got hit or if he actually did die of old age. I don't remember. if... But he said, but he said, uh, it was me and my mom. And he said, when, uh, Spot died, he said, part of me died too. Cause you know, that was his companion. Mm-hmm. And he said, so instead of burying him in the pet cemetery, he said, I buried him beyond the barrier. Mm-hmm. And he said, but the thing was, when he come back, he wasn't the spot that I remembered. And it shows the flashback, and his mom's out there, like, hanging up clothes on the sheet, or on the string. And you can hear the dog just growling. He's got blood all over him. He scares her, and she looks at a young Judd, and she's like, come get your dog. And he goes, and when I looked at uh, Spot, I could tell something was different. It wasn't the same Spot. Yep. That's what kills me, is that he knows this happened, but he still, still told Lewis about yeah, he even makes the comment a little bit later. He says, 
he asked him why he led him there, and he said, I guess I just wasn't ready for your daughter to feel that kind of pain, like, for her pet dying. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm like, dude, you just made it ten times worse. Right? Uh, and it's funny, because they're sitting there, and they're, of course, they're having beer again, and Lewis asks Judd, he's like, has anyone ever buried a person up there? And he, like, knocks his yeah. bottles over, he's scared of him, pretty much, and he's like, no, no. You know, he's like, mm-mm. And it just cuts, like, cuts off. Well, now Lewis is going in there and he's taking a bath. And right when he gets in the bath, you know, you see the steam coming up. He takes the hot rag. He's fixing to put over his eyes. And out of nowhere, you hear something get hit or thrown in the water. And he looks and it's a dead rat. I remember the first time I watched it, I thought it was Church jumped in the water. Did you? Because it was a, just a big gray thing. I thought it was like a hairball. <laughs> it's a big old hairball. Yeah. And it's a dead rat. And he looks up and he flicks it out on the floor. And you can tell it's got like blood all over it and stuff. He looks over at church. The church got them big yellow eyes again, and he's like, "Get out of here!" Like he, it made him mad. Good, which it, it ruined for me too. Heck yeah. Uh. So anyway, it cuts to now. Uh, Ellie is telling Lewis she had a dream that Lewis and Judd buried uh, Church in the pet cemetery. Yeah, this is when he went and picked him up from the airport. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, she's like, "Is everything okay with the uh, church?" And he's like. Should be. He's like, he was uh, resting on the porch when I left. And when they get there, it shows that, like, church stinks bad. You know, he's dead. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because she even asked, she's like, uh, hey, can cats get shampooed? And they and Rachel, which is her mom, tells him, she's like, yes, but you have to take him to a certain person, like a groomer. And she's like, well, I'm going to save my money and do it myself. And, of course, uh, Lewis is like, I'll chip in. I'll take care of it. You don't worry about it. You want to tell this next scene about uh, Missy writing a note? Man, it was it was weird because it was like scribbled so bad it was kind of hard to tell. The only thing that I could make out on the note that she was scribbling it just said "I'm sorry," and then something about the pain and cancer. She said uh, the pain is unbearable. I know it has. To, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. I know it has to be cancer. Yeah. And then at the bottom she said "I'm sorry." Mm -hmm. So she's writing this note up. She starts walking down these basement steps. And she goes into the basement, and you can see a rope hanging with a noose. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you kind of have an idea of what's going on. She's got the note pinned on her shirt. Mm -hmm. She gets up on the table. She's putting the noose around her neck. She walks over the edge, falls down, and hangs herself. Yep. So, it was... I, I don't know... I don't know what part she played in it to add anything to the movie or the story in general. Right. Like... What was it about this particular character that added anything to the movie? Right. Other than teaching the kid the word nuts and then telling Rachel she wasn't married and then killing herself. Mm. What other, like, it was weird. It was just a character that died in the movie that had no connection whatsoever. Right. Made, I, to me, it didn't make sense. It didn't fit. So, and then it cuts to... The funeral of Missy, and who is the pastor? Old Stephen King himself. Yep. And uh, who was also a cleaner on uh, Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Took the big gold hands from. Yeah, he did a good job in there. Yeah, he did. Well, he's creepy. I mean, he's <laughs> Stephen King. If anybody can play a creepy role, it's got to be the king. Well, they're at the after the <clears throat> funeral. Um, Ellie is talking to Lewis. And she's like, do you think Missy went to heaven? And he's like, you know, honey, I don't really know. 
And this whole time, Rachel is in the kitchen. She's listening. She's eavesdropping. She's rubbernecking, whatever you want to call it. Yes, he is. And he starts telling him, he's like, a lot of people believe different things. And she goes, what do you believe, Daddy? And he tells her, he says, uh, he goes, well, some people believe we come back as little children. Some people believe that they're this or that. I don't remember how he said. Some people believe we're like a candle. You blow the flame out or whatever. And he's like, what does he say? I believe, uh, I believe we move on or something like that. It was something where it made his daughter smile and... Of course, Rachel in her eavesdropping, she started crying. Yeah. Um, well, after that, uh, it shows Louis, Louis is in bed and Rachel comes in and she's like, hey, I heard you talking to uh, Ellie. And he's like, yeah. He goes, I figured you did. He's like, I, I know it's not your favorite subject. Yeah. And now she starts telling, she's like, well, you know why. And she starts telling, go ahead. No, 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 no. This is all you, homie. Okay, she starts telling, I hate this. (laughs) She says, well, you know why I hate talking about death. And she starts talking about her sister Zelda, who had spinal... Spinal meningitis. Is that what it was? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And talking about when she was eight years old, her mom and dad left her alone with Zelda. And she's like, uh, she was like a dirty secret. She said mom and dad would keep her in the back room, and that's exactly what she was, a secret. And it, she said it was almost like the family was ashamed of her. And to me, like I said, this is the creepiest part of the entire movie, is you can hear her moaning. She's hurting. Her back's all twisted up, showing. And she's like, sometimes I had to feed her. And it's showing her feeding her sister. And, you know, of course you can tell it's just upsetting her. Yeah. And she's like, uh, one night she was she was choking she said she was hollering for me. And she got in there and she said she was choking. And she said, I didn't know what to do. And she said, so I started hitting her on the back, trying to help her out. And she said, uh, all of a sudden, um, she was choking. She reached toward me and she died. And she said, and I ran out of the room uh, crying. And she said, and all the neighbor's kids was in the house. They were in the front door. And she said, I ran out. All I could say was Zelda's dead. Zelda's dead. And then she, then it cuts back to now Rachel is crying, talking to her husband, and she's like, "But the bad thing was, she goes, was I crying or was I laughing? I can't, I can't really tell you, yeah. because she said I was almost happy that Zelda was dead because she wasn't going through that pain and I didn't have to do this anymore. And then that's when I like, I love his response because it's something I would say. Uh, Lewis is like, uh, well, that just shows me that that gives me even more reason why." Your mom and dad are worthless. I don't like them, you know. And he was like, to do that to an eighteen year or an eight year old daughter. Man, I can see how something like that would really jack you up. Mm-hmm. I mean, just eight years old and having to deal, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm like him. I'm like, how could you know? What parents would do that to a kid? Now, since I explained that one, you can talk about gauges. Oh, the next you're one. the devil. <laughs> so, oh, you suck. Uh, so now they're out of the, they're doing like a little picnic yeah, outside. they're a picnic. And Beautiful day and flying a kite. Uh, so bad. So they're out there and you got Judd, Rachel, and Ellie. They're sitting at a picnic table while, uh, Lewis and Gage are flying a kite. So Lewis is flying the kite. Or, no, Lewis is flying the kite and all of the other four are sitting at the table. Gage walks over. He's going to take the kite. And so Lewis is helping him fly the kite. Ellie starts talking about how she wants to turn, and Rachel's like, we'll give your brother, let your brother finish his turn. 
This is one thing I never understood. Lewis is walking with him a little bit, and then he tells Gage, go ahead and run off with it. So the, the flight, the, the kite is flying, and Gage is running with it, and he's just constantly getting further and further away, and Lewis isn't following him. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting there laughing, you know, having a good time. Well, he, Gage ends up dropping the spool for the, uh, for the kite. And he, he does his uh-oh, which he's yeah. done for the whole movie. So now he's chasing the spool. As the kite's flying, it's taking the spool farther and farther. You don't really know where it's going. You just know it's going farther, and he's chasing it. Well, they're all kind of laughing and cutting up about it. Until Judd Judd sees that the kite is going towards the road. Mm -hmm. So Gage is steadily running after this kite. Judd says, "Don't, don't let him get too close to the road. So they all jump up. Lewis takes off running. Rachel's just standing there and go, get the baby, get the baby. Mm-hmm. And she's not moving at all. Like, you would think she'd take off running. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the whole time we see this truck driver and he's jamming out to some music. So Gage. Flying down the road. Gage follows the kite. The spool goes into the road. He bends down to pick up the spool. The truck's coming up closer. Obviously, he doesn't get time to stop. And you don't see it. But what you see is probably just as bad. A bloody baby shoe just rolling. And I will say, his dad, that was a good shot of his dad booking it. Like, mm-hmm. the look on that dude's face. Yeah, and then right before he gets to the road, he trips and falls while Gage is in the middle of the road. Um, simulate the hit, the shoe falling, and his dad does this loud scream while he's bloody, so you know what happened. Yeah, and he's screaming, no! I always no. thought this was one of the worst... Death scenes that you never seen because you know what happened, you know how bad it was, mm-hmm. and man, it was yeah, it was rough. <clears throat> well, it cuts to later that night. You know, Lewis is sitting there looking at pictures of uh, Gage. I guess he's getting ready for the funeral and stuff. And uh, Ellie comes in and she's like, "I can't sleep with mommy." She goes, she keeps uh, pulling the covers away from it. She's hogging the covers. And this whole time, she's got a, something <clears> in her hand. And Judd's like, Ellie, let me see what you got in your hand there. She's reluctant to show him at first. Mm-hmm. But then he takes it. It's a picture of uh, Ellie and herself and um, Gage. And he's like, oh, that's a beautiful memory. And then she was pulling him around in a wagon. Yep. And he's like, I bet he had a good time. And she's like, yeah, I'm keeping this picture for him so when uh, God can bring him back. And something about because God did this and God can undo it or something. Yeah, and, and Judd's like, God didn't do this. You know, like he's making sure, like, she knows God didn't take him away. Yeah. And she's like, uh, well, I'm going to keep this picture for uh, for him until God brings, uh, brings him back. And then that's when uh, she, she just takes off running. And here's where she does that bad cry. Or you can just hear, uh, <laughs> I was like, it's so bad. Like they really shouldn't have made this little girl cry the entire no. time. Uh, well now it cuts to the funeral Whew. and you can tell, uh, which of course it'd be the hardest day of your life. Uh, Lewis is up there by the casket and Rachel's dad comes up and is like, you should have been there. You let this happen. You killed him. Where were you? Where were you when he was running out in the road and just cold cocks uh, Lewis in the face? And what kills me is Rachel, she's just like, Dad, stop it. And the daughter don't know what's going on. Well, they end up fighting. 
to where they knocked the casket over. And you can see the casket door open, or lid open, just a little bit where you can see the baby's arm. Mm-hmm. And he starts doing it again. No! Like, he's flipping out. And they're like, and one of his buddies, I guess, or pallbearers, grabs a hold of him. He's like, this is your son's funeral. Calm, or, you know, calm down. Like, you know. But it'd be hard to calm down with, with your oh, stepdad yeah. or your father-in-law meant doing something like that. No, yeah, that wouldn't have happened. Well, now it's just like you can tell. It's, it's starting to just show a few things where you can tell that Lewis is, like, losing his mind. Like, he's just, he's down, he's depressed, which you would be. Oh, yeah. And Judd tells Lewis, uh, he comes over and he asks him, how's he doing and all that. And he's like, before you think about it, because I know you are. Judd already knows it. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, I feel like I'm the one that killed Gage. And he's like, what do you mean? And he goes, because I should have never took you up there because it knows I took you up there. And now it's just, it's, you know, pretty much what he is saying is, the Indian burial ground knew that he could that it could work on uh, people's emotions. So now it gave him a reason mm-hmm. to go back up there with his son. So he starts telling. So he's like, uh, Judd's like, <clears throat> I didn't tell you the full truth. He's like, What do you mean? He goes, When you asked me about did somebody ever bury a person up there? He goes, I lied to you. I said no, but actually there was somebody. And he tells him it was years ago. This guy, this boy named Timmy uh, Baderman. I don't know if he said he was in the army. Yeah, he was in the military for sure. I don't know if it was army or not. Did he die in the military? I think they said he died coming home. But, so I'm assuming yeah, he got a purple heart. I so, think so, yeah. yeah. But the dad was, he says, the dad was distraught. And it shows the dad holding the purple heart. And he's like, and he took his son's Timmy's body up there and buried him. But when he come back, he goes, he, uh, he said, the person you put in there, or the person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. Mm-hmm. And, like, you could tell Timmy was going nuts. He was scratching his face. He was Eating attacking. some kind of leg. Yeah. And he was attacking uh, people. And make a long story short, Judd, at the time, and all the other ones come to set the house on fire. And you can hear Judd telling uh, Timmy's dad... It's not your son. Get out of here. Get out of here. And I guess they killed both of them. Yeah, they burned the house down and both think, of them were inside. I think Timmy kept a hold of his dad. Uh-huh. But I love the line, of course, because this is the famous line, because then Judd looks at him and he goes, sometimes dad is better. I like that line. Yeah. So now it cuts to now. Uh, Rachel and her daughter are heading to Chicago. And... Uh, I, think, I think the plan was for... Lewis to follow them when he got stuff squared away. Yeah. And it's funny because Rachel's dad walks up to him and he's like, I'm so sorry. I just, I lost it. I was distraught. I'd have punched him right there in the yeah. airport. Lewis is just like, it's it's okay. He's like, we're, we're, all, we're all losing it, you know, or something. So we know they're heading to Chicago. And now um, Lewis is going to Gage's gravesite. But when he gets there, he kind of sits beside the tombstone and he's talking to Gage. He's like, this isn't right. You shouldn't be like this. And, uh, Pascal shows back up the jogger. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he goes, I'm sorry, but don't do it. Uh, Lewis. He's like, I'm here to tell you, don't do it. And he looks, Lewis looks over at him. He goes, if he, if it doesn't work, I'll put him to sleep again. Well, cause the, uh, Ellie is having a nightmare about Pascal. And, She's like, this man come to see me. It's a ghost. And he was telling me that 
some something to do with Daddy and Gage. That's all she, she kept saying. Well, Rachel turns around. She's like, "Why do I know that name?" And this whole time, Pascal's behind her, and she's like, "Pascal, Pascal," and he's like, "Pascal." And then she says it right, you know. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she finally remembers who Pascal is because she takes off running. She starts flipping out. She remembers he's the jogger. Yeah. Well, Rachel's trying to get a hold of Lewis, and she can't, so she calls Judd. And Judd's like, uh, "Is Lewis with you?" And he, and she's like, "No." He stayed at home. And I think automatically right there, he knew. He knew exactly what he was fixing to do. Yep. And uh, she says, well, he goes, well, if I see him, I'll, I'll make sure he calls you. She goes, don't bother because I'm coming home. And he's like, don't, no, 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 don't, Rachel. She hangs up the phone. Well, of course, it cuts to now Lewis is digging up Gage's body. And as he's digging, we see a police officer come by with a spotlight looking around like security. He hurries up, gets back into the ground. The cop goes away. And... Finally, it shows um, uh, Lewis picking up the casket, and then he takes his son out. And, he's, and he just cuts the... This is the emotional scene to me, is he's just holding his son. Man, that was rough. Yeah, he's just literally he's just holding his son's dead body. Like, it reminds me of the scene on uh, uh, Shutter Island, when he pulls his kids out of the water, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting down, and you can tell he's losing it, and he's just massaging his daughter's foot. Yeah. And he takes her little shoe off. That's what it reminds me of. Um... <clears throat> uh, well, Judd, it shows Judd going out on his front porch, and he's got a uh, four or six-pack of Budweiser, mm. his beer, and he's going to sit there and wait. Like, he knows, and I, I think he even makes a comment, something about, I'm the one that brought this on, I'm the one that's going to stop it. Yep. So, now all of a sudden, Rachel is, where does she see Zelda? Oh, she's in a house, and Zelda is hollering for Rachel. And she's telling Rachel, she's, uh, we're coming for you. Gage and I are coming for you. Well, all of a sudden, she wakes up on a plane. Mm-hmm. So she was having a nightmare. And it's funny because she's like, oh, thank God. Because she hears that they're only a few minutes away. Yep. And it cuts behind her. And I like it because pa- uh, Pascal uh, is like a couple seats behind her just or to the side of her, just kind of like smiling, he's looking at her. Nodding his head. Yeah. And... Uh, she finally makes it to this one spot where it says, uh, she t- it's weird, this woman used to my she's like, hold the plane. And that woman's like, and Pascal's holding the door. Yeah. And she's like, I can't. And then she just takes over and she goes, okay, I'll call the, uh, <laughs> I'll call the, uh, so you could. Yeah. Well, she said, I'll call the pilot. I uh, yeah. Well, now it shows Lewis is taking G- uh, Gage to the cemetery. And the whole time he's going up there, he's like, it's gonna be. He's ta- he's just talking to Gage. He's like, it's gonna be okay, Gage. You'll be back soon. Uh, everything's gonna be okay, you know. And then when he starts climbing the the barrier, he's like, don't look down. Just keep going, you know. He's talking to himself. Uh, well, now Rachel is trying to get a rental car, and the woman's like, I'm sorry, ma'am, I just can't help you. And then <laughs> behind her, Pascal's like, What about the old so and so that scratched up or whatever? And it clicks in that woman's uh, mind. She's like, well, we do have one car, but it's all scratched up. She's like, I'll take it. It's almost like she talks like she's in a trance, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he just like, hey, say this, say this. Now, I had no idea what this part. This part right here kind of confused me. He's going up the barrier with... No, he's, he's actually at the cliff part where we said it looks like he was climbing. Mm-hmm. He's got Gage's body, and he looks down, and his face comes out of these rocks. What the heck was that? I think... To me, it looked like Pascal's face at first. 
Like he was like warning them or something. I don't know. I don't know. It might not have been Pascal. I face, couldn't make it out. Yeah. But for some reason his face just pops out. I don't get it. Well, now Rachel's driving that rental car and all of a sudden she has a blowout. So now she's pulling over to the side of the road and Pascal is on the other side of the car and he's like, it's trying to stop you, Rachel. It's trying to stop mm-hmm. you from uh, stopping them. So, anyway, it shows uh, Lewis. He's, he's putting the rocks on top of uh, Gage's body and he goes home. Well, as he goes home, he just goes straight to his bedroom and he just falls down on the bed face first. And then he goes back to the rocks and we see Gage's hands come out of the rocks. So now we know, okay, it did work. And Rachel is still trying to get home. So she sees his 18-wheeler come by and she flags him down and she gets a ride with him. So now she's going home. Well, it cuts to now Gage. We're seeing everything from Gage's point of view. We know he's back. He's, he's in the house. And the first thing he does is go to his dad's uh, medicine. Uh, what is that called? It's almost like a, tra- like a travel bag. And he pulls out the scalpel, medical bag. Well, he goes out the scalpel, and next thing you know, I guess he went to Judd's house, because Judd's asleep. Well, Judd wakes up because he hears something in his house. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looks around, and he goes in the house, and he can hear the babies, or he sees the footprints going into his house at first. Yep. Well, when he follows it, he goes aside. Now he's starting to hear Gage's laughing. And uh, it's funny because Judd's like, uh, who's in here? And Gage, of course, is laughing again. So he's trying to follow me. He's like, Gage, is that you? And he's like, um, you want to play? Judd's going to look for Gage. He goes up and he pulls a knife out. And he's like, Judd, or he's like, Gage, I got something for you. Well, right before he's fixing to go look underneath the bed to see where Gage is at, because he can hear Gage in his bedroom, he hears, or he sees the cat, Church, pop out. And he's like, how'd you get in here? And right when he says it, you just see a little baby's hand come out with a scalpel and cuts his, oh, uh, what was it called? His Achilles tendon. Ugh, it's so gross. It doesn't just cut it, he like saws it. Oh, it's rough. Like, the only time I've had that kind of pain was when I watched House of Wax, when Paris Hill yeah. got hers cut. I was like, ah. Oh. So... She turn, He turns around, and he's screaming. He's on his butt at this time, and Gage comes out with that little knife, little scalpel, and he cuts, slices his mouth. That looked really good. You want to know how I got these scars? <laughs> yeah. He falls over, and it's funny because now his, now his uh, back of his leg's messed up, his mouth is sliced open, and Gage comes over and just starts chewing on his neck, just biting his throat. And that's how he kills him. He, I guess he just... I didn't realize. What? They do that in the second one, too, but with... Uh... Dog. When he chews on old boy's oh, neck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do the same yeah, thing. Yeah. That's not so but that. His is a little worse. Though. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. This will take his breath away. This will take his breath away. So, Rachel gets back now, and instead of going to her house, she goes to Judd's house, and Rachel hears Zelda in the house. Mm-hmm. And she's this is where she's like, Rachel. <sighs> like she's calling for Rachel. Now, Rachel goes in and. She goes all the way upstairs, and she sees Zelda in Judd's room. She's, like, hunched down by the window. Yeah, and I don't even know what she says to her. I mean, like, seriously, it just... She says, I'm going to twist your back so you'll never get out of bed again. And then she just keeps saying, never get out of bed again. And she runs up to the camera, and she's like, never out of bed again. Oh, my gosh. Well, right, and and it's funny, because Rachel's just like, oh. Like, puts her hand (laughs) on her forehead, 
And all of a sudden you hear her go, you hear Gage start laughing. He's like, Mommy. And she looks over and he goes, and he comes out and he's got a top hat and a little cane. He's dressed in the same outfit in that picture. Remember that picture at her mom and dad's house? Mm-hmm. The, with the chunky little kid? Yeah. With the, the same thing. I didn't know they had a top hat and a... Mm-hmm. But he's like, Mommy, uh, I brought you something. And she's like, Gage. And she's crying. And she bends down to hug him. And he's like, Mommy, I brought you something. And he pulls that scalpel out. And right when she goes to hug him, it just cuts off. You see a shot of the house and she's screaming. So you know that she just got got. Uh, well, now Lewis wakes up. The next morning he realizes that Gage has took his scalpel. Because as soon as he wakes up, he falls over, hits his head on the counter. Or on the coffee table. Not a coffee table. Nightstand, excuse me. <laughs> One of them things. Yeah, he goes over to the bag and he's like, and he sees the little feet footprints. He's like, Gage. And he opens the scalp and he realizes he took it. Excuse me. Well, as Rachel, as he's going downstairs, Rachel's dad calls him on the phone. He answers the phone. He's like, hello. And he's like, hey, uh, did Rachel ever make it home? He's like, what do you mean? He goes, she came home last night uh, and Ellie is scared. He's, she's had a bad nightmare. And he goes, she wants to talk to him. He's like, yeah, she's fine. And she said, he says, well, Ellie's uh, wanting to talk to her mother. And he, he's like, well, she's asleep right now. He goes, well, I advise you to go wake her up. She had a dream that she was murdered. And he just hangs up the phone. Well, he starts to go downstairs, and all of a sudden the phone rings again. He answers it, and he's like, I just said she's asleep. And all of a sudden it's Gage's voice. He's like, Daddy, I want to play with you now. He said, Daddy, I'm at Judd's. I played with Judge and Mommy came over, and I played with Mommy. Now I want to play with you. <laughs> so he he's like, what did you do? And the little kid's just like, <laughs> laughing. He's like, what did you do? He knows. So first thing he does is he goes and gets his syringe, uh, syringe and he fills it up with what? I don't know what he filled it up with. Uh, I, I'm wanting to say it's probably a sedative. Yeah. Something to put, put something to sleep. Right. So anyway, uh, he goes out and there he's going outside. He's on a mission now. He's going to Judd's house. He gets across the street and he sees Church. And Church is just kind of like growling at him. And he's like, "Hey, Church!" And he's like, and he throws a big old raw steak on the ground. And he's like, "Go ahead." And he goes, "It's Thanksgiving for cats today." <laughs> and he goes over and he starts eating the uh, steak. And he's like, uh, "It's Thanksgiving for cats." At what do you say? That come back. Or something like that. Something like that, yeah. And you can tell the cat tried to get away when he tried to grab him. He was like, he, you almost let the cat go. <laughs> yeah, he grabbed a cat and he stuck a syringe in him and the cat died. So he, he killed a church. For all you animal lovers, it was a needle that was rigged. It didn't really go into the cat and the cat was given a sedative by a vet and the cat made it out just fine. Yeah, but they really did stick the boy though in the neck. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> no, so no, really? no you crap. stupid. No, <laughs> but it, that was one of the comments on IMDb. I was looking through all the like trivia for the movie and stuff. That was the cat wasn't harmed. The cat was put in a sedative state by a vet, and the cat made it out just fine. Mm. So anyway, nobody worried about the kid. No, nah. nobody worried about the cat. Boo that kid. Boo. <laughs> so Lewis, Lewis walks into Judd's house after killing Church, and I didn't get this part at all. The mm. house is destroyed. It's all moldy, and like he's just kind of looking around. He has no idea what's going on. I think it was the spirit of the McMow people, just like the the mound. That evil spirit was just kind of playing with his mind. I don't know. Maybe. Because he goes over to the stairs, picks something off stairs, and everything goes back to normal. Yeah, he sees uh, Rachel's shoe. Yeah. And he goes over to pick Rachel's shoe up, and then all of a sudden he snaps out of it, and he hears Gage laughing. And he keeps saying the thing. Now, uh, hey, Daddy, now I want to play with you. 
Yeah, no, he said, I'm going to play with you. So he goes upstairs, and he's hollering for him. He's like, Gage. And I think Gage says something like, playing hide and seek. Don't he say, I want to play hide yeah, and seek? Yeah, when he gets upstairs, he said, let's play hide and seek or something. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so he's looking around. He goes into Judd's room, and he looks and sees. Uh, it looks like something's under the bed. So when he pulls, when he gets down, he pulls the cover back, and there's Judd's body. And he just falls back and starts crying. Well, yeah, now his bottom lip is gone. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, he hears his son again. So as he's going down, fixing to go down the hallway, out of nowhere, something from the attic falls, and it's Rachel's body hanging. And he falls over and he looks. He starts tearing up because he realizes his wife's dead. Well, when he looks above Rachel, there's Gage up there. Gage looking like Chucky. Jumps Look, down. Just like Chucky. Jumps down. On top of his dad, and he just starts slicing and dicing with that scalpel, and uh, he's cutting him in the chest, the arm, and finally, Lewis grabs a hold of Gage, chunks him against the wall, and he falls down. And here comes Gage. He gets up, he gets that syringe, and he's like, "Come here, bu- come here, Gage, come here, Gage," and like he's all like looking like he's happy to see his son. His son's walking toward him. He's like, <laughs> "You know, he's holding that scalpel." He walks up, and it looks so good. They never even cut it. He sticks the uh, needle into Gage's uh, neck. This little boy is a good actor. Man, he's such a good little actor. He starts uh, crying, all this stuff, and then as he's walking off, he says the famous, No fair, no fair, no fair, no fair. He's going around the corner, and Lewis gets up to watch him, and this kid trips and falls over and hits his head on the wall, which you know it had to cut quick. Because it had to be a blooper. I don't know, man. Man, you can't have a little whatever kid, how old he was. He was four all, or five. All they had to do was tell the kid to walk backward and put something behind him. Uh, still. <laughs> he falls over, and it cuts to Lewis real quick. And Lewis is just watching him cry. Or Lewis is crying. He watch, And then it cuts back to Gage. And Gage is like... <sighs> and then he just kind of slumps over. Yep. And finally, his eyes close. And now he's dead. Same. Well, Lewis starts pouring uh, gasoline all over the house. Gets his wife, or he lights the match. Gets his wife's body out of the house. Buddy buried. He uh, set his son on fire. Don't make no sense. Like I don't understand why he didn't get Gage's body and take it and go bury it where it originally should go. Only thing I can think of is because that's what Judd told him they did with the other guy. Maybe he thought that was the only way to. Uh, uh, I guess actually kill that whole spirit thing or whatever. Well, anyway, so he sets the house on fire. And as he's walking out, he's holding Rachel, and Pascal shows up, and he goes, uh, Lewis, I'm sorry. So sorry, but don't do this. And Lewis says, it'll work this time. I waited too long uh, with Gage. He goes, um, Rachel just died, so it should work. And he walks right through the spirit of Pascal, and Pascal's like, uh, Lewis, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, like he's trying to tell him again. Well, this dude don't listen. As he's going to bury his wife, you can hear Judd's voice over like it's a little montage, and he's just telling him the same story he's talking about. You know, sometimes dead is better, and you know you can hear his voice going. He repeats the a man's heart is stonier, and right. And anyway, uh, you can hear Judd's voice say, "What you own always comes home to you." Yep. And I love that line. Well. Well, it, I mean, it kind of goes back to what he told him when he buried the cat. You right. have to bury your own. Right. And then what did Church do? He came back to Lewis. And he even made the comment 
when uh, Lewis said something about it being Ellie's cat, he said, no, that's your cat now. Yeah. So so he goes and buries Rachel in the uh, old cemetery. He comes home, he starts getting these cards out, and he just sits against, like, I guess it was the fridge or something, and he's, like, starting to deal these cards out. He's just trying to buy time. Well, sure enough, midnight strikes. We hear the door opening. He looks up, and you see this bloody hand come around, and here comes uh, Rachel's body. And he stands up and Lewis is smiling. And when he goes up to her, she goes, darling. And her left eye socket, her left eye is missing and pus is coming out of it. They start making out big time. That's nasty. And the whole time they're making out, Rachel reaches around to the uh, kitchen table, grabs a big, huge knife, raises it up. It kind of goes in slow motion. And then, boom, it just cuts. And you hear uh, Lewis screaming, hollering, she killed him. And that is the end of Pet Cemetery. Such a good movie. Man. It's, I mean, there's just certain scenes in it that just make you go, what the crap? So, that being said, that is the end of the movie. And so now it is time for the pulling scale. Pulling scale. Pulling scale. Pulling scale. Pulling scale. Pulling scale. And Randy, you get to go first. He was the one went first last time? Well, you remember you go first, go first. Yes, sir. Nice. So you can't copy, you know, copy me again? No. Oh, my gosh. All right. So, still, after all this time, this movie is one of my favorites. Okay? Um, It just goes to show you, a lot of people will say, and most people will kind of agree with you, that if you're a reader, a book is usually better than the movie. But, to me, a good movie, or a good book when done right, can be translated into a great movie. Mm-hmm. So, this just goes to show you how good of a writer. I've never read pe- the mo- the book. Right. I, every time I watch this movie, it makes me want to read it. But everything that I've seen on the book, the the book mentions a, the like a Wendigo, which is like a boogeyman type yeah. thing, I guess, yeah. that they only reference a couple of times in the movie. Like when you hear the trees knocking and all this kind of stuff. That was like their reference to it. Um, so I can only say just by guessing it and knowing how good, because I have read some Stephen King books, that I think this movie did the book some justice. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you can't say that about all the movies. Like, A Time to Kill is probably the only other movie that I can think of that the movie did the book justice. It was one of my favorite books. Um, I... There's some, there's like small parts in the movie that get on my nerves. The the little girl and her crying just irritate the crap out of me. I would say some of the acting, but I have to remember this is 1989. So sometimes when Lewis is talking and acting, it's kind of like uh, cheesy, clearly. But it's like, okay, this was 30 years ago, you know. So you got to take that in consideration. Some of the effects were amazing. Like, when uh, Gage was cutting the dude's Achilles tendon, it actually looked like he was slicing dude's Achilles. And when they sliced his face, it didn't just slice him and just show blood. It actually showed his right. like, whole jaw wide open. Um, I thought the effects on the guy, on Victor, Pascal, I thought the effects looked really good on him with his head and everything. Um, the creepy factor on this movie is like out of 10 is like a nine and a half because there are so many creepy parts. Pascal through the whole movie looking like he did when he got hit by the bus. Mm -hmm. It looks creepy. 
Zelda is by far one of the most creepiest things I've ever seen in any horror movie that I've ever watched. And it's not even gruesome in the fact like blood, guts, and gore. Right. It's just her look. Yeah. It's just, man, it's so bad. Um, I love it, man. Still to this day. I, I will say I, I think I like the second one. If I like the second one better, it's just a tad much, like right. a tad better, but I, I, I love them both. So, uh, for me, this is a definite, definite thumbs up. Got to watch it. Uh, got to add it to your collection if you collect. If you collect scary movies, got if you're a Stephen King fan and you collect his stuff, you got to collect it. Um, and I'm giving it a B plus. Mm, okay. Like I said, there's only a couple of things that really... You know, bring it out of the A range. Mm. But it's a definite high B plus. Right on. Well, I've never really cared for this movie. Uh, and my feelings hasn't really changed on it. Shameful. Uh, I don't know why this has not been one of my favorites. Because uh, Zelda. That's the only reason. What? Well, I was to say, now Zelda is the scariest thing that I've seen in a horror movie. And that's all the way up to this So day. that automatically puts it at a B. Okay. So... <laughs> I did not like the dad's acting was too bland for me. Mm. Did not care for the little girl's acting. The mom, I didn't care for hers either. The only one I really thought did good was Gage and Judd. It's crazy that a 33-month-old baby could do that good. Well, the dad was always just like, no, don't do that, Gage. Yeah. I, I, just, no. I never liked it. Uh, but his emotional scenes, though, were really good. The scene where he ran toward uh, Gage was the best part. <laughs> but anyway, uh, like I said, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I just never really cared for this one. Never really. It just never released. Mm -hmm. That's just like the original It. Oh, Everybody dude, talks no. so good about that. Oh, and it's on. one of the most boring movies I'm you can smack, watch. Smack you in the face. I'm going to say... They ruined It because they turned it into a four and a half hour movie when it was actually a TV series. Yeah. But uh, the music didn't stand out to me at all. Uh, acting was all right. Yes, the effects did look good. I'll give it that. The creepiness as far as Zelda was creepy. I, I did like that. Uh, I'm going to say if you're a horror movie person, you're going to add this to your collection just because it is a huge hit. But... In my opinion, it's a one-time watch. Watch it one time, and I give it a thumbs. Mm, I'll give it a thumbs in the middle. And this movie's getting a C plus. Wow! And it's getting a C plus, dude. The story alone is worth the B. It's no. You're nuts. That's why. It's getting a C plus is because of the story. Oh my god! See, you beat me to that part. The reason I'm giving it a C plus is because it is something different as far as the story. But the movie's just not that entertaining to me. Oh, I love it. You're a psycho. It's, it's coming from a dude that watches Hatchet. Don't hate on freaking <laughs> Hatchet. Like seriously, like um, I just this never one of my been one of my best or my favorite ones. It's just. To me, it, it's too slow. But I do, like I said, I do really like the story. Really like the story of it. 
I don't feel so bad for not liking Texas Chainsaw Massacre anymore. Well, there you go. <laughs> but it did. If it wasn't, because like I said, the C plus is honestly the C plus is because of the story. I like the concept of a pet cemetery and bringing stuff back. But overall, man, it's just it's never been one of the movies that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to watch this one. Yeah. Like, no joke. I told you I haven't watched this movie in like 15 years, maybe, 20 Dude, years. It's, it's been a long time since I've watched it. Yeah. So it's not something that I'll sit down and watch anytime I see it on. But it's one of those things, like, if nobody's ever seen it and they want to watch it, I'll sit down and watch it. See, and I'm the opposite. If somebody don't want to see it, or if somebody has never seen it and want to watch it, I'll say, hey, I got it on Blu-ray here, watch it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But that's just me, but... So Randy's giving it a thumbs up and a B plus. I gave it a thumbs in the middle and a C plus. I think that's really one of our... This has been one Biggest of our differences. Yeah. I've got taste and you don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <sighs> so anyway, with that being said, uh, be sure to always check us out on our social media. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook is at Small Town or Facebook is Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. Uh, our Instagram is Small Town Horror Johnny underscore Randy. Excuse me. Our Twitter is at Small T Horror Pod. And Randy's favorite part of the entire thing. Always send us some questions to our email or if you got any requests for reviews at smalltownhorrorjrpod at gmail.com. How many people have you ever had email us? And besides your brother. Besides that, <laughs> we just want everybody to know that our next episode is going to be Pet Cemetery 2. Going to Edward Furlong and, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Clancy? Uh, is it Chancy? Clancy? I don't remember. The stepdad. What's I know what you're talking about, but what's the dog's name? Is it Ghost? Dude, you know how long it's been since I've seen that? And probably about as long as it's been since I've seen it. I don't remember the dad's name. What's the daggum dog's name? Anyway, great movie. Yeah, and I'm hoping I get this uh, uh, get this right, but Edward Furlong, Furlong, of course, the star of Under, Ter- underrated actor, the uh, star of Terminator Two, was also the kid in the uh, Brain Scan. Yes, Brain Scan, and uh, of course, the one we're going to uh, review next is going to be. Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery Two. It was also in uh, American History X. I wanted to say that as July Fourteenth of this year, Edward revealed that he is four years sober after battling heroin and meth addiction. That's awesome. So congratulations to you, man. Big congrats. I know you probably ain't gonna ever gonna listen to this podcast, but if you do, just want you to know we're proud for you, man. That's amazing. Anybody that overcomes any addiction, man, that's Facts. that's amazing. Especially four years dealing, four years sober. That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. So with that being said, uh, Randy, you got anything else to say before we sign off? I don't think so. All right. Well, as always, everybody remember to stay scared. Stay spooky.